Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we conclude our series focusing on a collection of themes from Pastor Dave. Today's subject addresses the believer's response to facing the unknown. We're also celebrating Graduation Sunday today, and we hope to reveal to our graduates what God's Word has to say about facing an uncertain future. Thanks for listening. Well, 12 years ago, I had the privilege of marrying my best friend. Today is our anniversary. And uh, I'm very thankful that she chose me and that she continues to choose me. I'm the luckiest guy here. Feels like just the first year, hon. Feels like just the first year. Uh, On our um, honeymoon, we went to Atlantis. It's in the island of Nassau. It's in the Bahamas. And those serving there, we very rarely ever made it over to the touristy sections. Uh, But we had a good time. If you've ever been there, um, they've got a kind of a water park area. And I discovered that my favorite ride there is called the Lazy River. When I was younger, it was the fast slides, you know, with the sharks and the turns. But you know what? Once you get married, it's the Lazy River. Amen, fellas? However, I discovered that I'm still a little bit of a control freak on this lazy river. All you do is you sit in a tube and it takes you all the way around the whole property. And um, every now and then there's a few other channels that kind of keep the current going. And what I would try to do is I would hold on to the sides and kind of, you know, you know, propel us forward. You know, I wasn't as lazy as I needed to be. I was trying to keep going. And there was this one spot in particular where the water would rush in and it created these little eddies. And so I wanted to try to avoid that and get into the fast current. And so I would, I'd hold on to the edge, and what I discovered is, as I held on, I actually drew myself into the eddy, and we would spin around, and then we'd have to go back again, and I'd try it again. And the whole time I'm doing this, I'm watching all these other folks just going by, just flying by the lazy river. It wasn't until I realized that the only way to really get forward, to propel myself down, was not to hold on, but to what? It was to let go. I, I, I have to work on the amount of control that I like to have in life. But, you know, I discovered that, at least in that aspect of this one ride, that if I let go, uh, things would be fine. I'd go right down the river just like uh, it was designed to go. Do you ever find that true in your Christian life? Do you ever find that true for you as well, that sometimes you just want to hold on? You want things to go the way you want them to go? And really all God is waiting for you to do is... Let go and trust him. Maybe you've heard this phrase before. I like this. Have you heard this? Let go and what? Let God. Let go and let God. And you wouldn't believe the kinds of things that people hold on to. Worry about the future. Worry about finances. Worry about circumstances. We want to hold on to grudges. We want to hold on to anger. We want to hold on to our plan. And what we got to do is learn to let go and let God. We're finishing up a series that I've called Messages from Pastor Dave. I had a conversation with our previous pastor uh, the week before he passed uh, with he and his wife Marie just talking about, you know, what, what are the big lessons? What are the big takeaways? What could you share with us that's just a nugget of truth to hold on to? And you've heard over the last three Sundays that there have been some, some good ones. Uh, Holy nudges, remember that? How are we doing? Anybody obey some holy nudges this past week? Good, I see a couple of hands go up. And all the rest that from uh, the, the desire to extend love, and that's what Dave wanted to communicate to the church, is how much he loved the church and how we need to do that for one another. 
Or on Mother's Day, you remember, how, what does a mother's heart do? It enables and it encourages. Remember that? And Dave said it didn't matter what aspect of ministry that you were in, whether you hold the door out front, come sit in the pew or scripture reader, or you're the pastor behind the pulpit. We need to encourage and we need to enable those who are feeling a little bit low. That was the heart of Pastor Dave. The bulk of our time as we sat together, it did revolve around one subject, however, which was Dave's imminent home going to be with the Lord. I don't want to tell you that Dave was scared, because he wasn't scared, but he was depending on his Savior in these last moments. The clip that I want to play for you is part of that conversation. He had he confided in me that he had told the doctors, I'm done with treatments. I'm done. I lived a good life, and I'm ready to go. And he asked me what I thought about that decision. And I want you to listen to uh, the conversation that we had, and I want you to try to hear what Dave would say to the church as he was facing that which he had never gone through before. Even as I look to our graduates this morning, as they are facing something they've never gone through before. Here's Pastor Dave. I don't see you that way, and I think the decision you're making is, um, I think it's a good decision. I think it's a very hard decision. I think it's a hard decision. You know, it's a hard decision, but when I made the decision, peace. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the kind of leadership that I feel with this thing. Yeah. The other part of it is that with something like this as serious as it is, you realize your people are grieving with you. Mm-hmm. I'm watching, they're observing. Yeah. Yeah. And I want, like you said, um, I want to go all strong. I want to carry the banner. Yeah. And make sure to fall on the way with that. Yeah. On the whole right up. Great. He recognized first that others are watching. Right? He said that the church was grieving with you. And that what did he say he wanted to do? It's hard to hear, but he said he wanted to carry the banner high. And he knew that that wasn't anything that he could do in his own strength. He knew he had to rely on God. For the strength to face that which he had never faced before. And all of us in here at some point are going to face something in life. That's brand new that you've never seen before. I've entitled this message, Facing the Unknown. It's really for the graduates, so I want you paying attention, all right? Take notes if you need to. But this is a message that we're going to find a help for out of the book of Proverbs. Now, if you brought your Bibles, I want you to turn there with me. Proverbs chapter 3. It is a familiar verse. In fact, for many of you, it may be your favorite verse in all of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. What we're going to do is we're just going to read through the text and examine it. And we're going to find three main action points. Three ways in which we can obey God's word today. And I want to encourage you, especially our three graduates, that you will know how to face whatever comes at you. All of the unknowns that the future will hold. Proverbs chapter 3. Page 987 in the Pew Bibles. Proverbs chapter 3, reading in verse 5. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Is that a beautiful passage? The writer here in the book of Proverbs understands that there is wisdom to knowing how to go through this life. And it does not depend on your scheming, your ability, your understanding, your perception. Instead, it depends on how much you give all of that over to God. I want us to look through a couple of the words that he mentions here. You've got to begin right at the very first one in in verse 5. Trust. This is a word that means to have confidence. But to have confidence in such a way that you feel safe. When you uh, encounter something that's unknown, immediately you and I as humans in this world are going to feel a little bit uneasy. I remember the first time I walked onto my college campus, didn't know a thing. In fact, didn't know even how much I didn't know at the time. And it was a little scary. It was, uh, it was huge. There were people I didn't know. There were, it seemed like everybody else knew what was going on, but I didn't. I didn't necessarily feel very secure or very safe. That's what this word trust has in mind. To trust in the Lord means that you place your confidence in him so that you feel safe where he is. A picture of this in my own life is with my two-year-old daughter, Sadie. She's got this great little quirk that whenever she's up in my office and she hears footprints coming down the hall. Now, guess whose footprints those are normally? That's mom. And that's usually mom coming to either put her to bed, uh, have to take a bath, put away your toys. So uh, she always pretends like she's scared when she hears the footsteps. And what does she do? She, she runs right to me. I love it. I think it's the best thing ever, right? So here's my little daughter running straight into my arms, but she'll run and she'll bury her face right in me and she'll hide right here and she'll know that I'm going to, you know, fight her mom a little bit to keep her for myself. And so she thinks she's safe. But that's the same picture of what God wants you to do for him. He wants you to trust him in such a way that you would run to him, that you would turn to him. I want to warn you, though, that this is not your and my natural inclination. You and I will first, primarily, naturally want to turn to natural resources rather than supernatural. When hard times come, the first thing many of us think is the bank account. How much do I have there? Sometimes we think about how much time do I have? How much ability I have? Who could I call that I know that could help me with this problem? And it isn't until maybe we get a little perspective or, unfortunately, we have to hit rock bottom that so many of us realize, where should we turn first of all? We should have turned to God. Right? The, the first phone call should have been to God. As soon as you get the news, as soon as you hear what happened, as soon as you find out whatever it is that you're facing, the first turn should be to God. That's what it means to trust. It means to be safe. It means to find security. It means you have no fear. Look at the next line. Trust in the Lord with what? Your Bible says all? Doesn't say say some of your heart? Doesn't say a portion of your heart? With all of your heart. Not, Not half your heart. Not some of your heart. Not the easy parts of your heart. Not when it's convenient to trust God. God wants the whole thing. He wants it all. Jesus is going to say to his disciples that, uh, and to those who are following, it's kind of a hard thing to follow after him. That unless you hate your father and your mother 
your spouse and your children and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. Whoever wants to follow after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So Jesus wants to be in what place? Second, third, fourth? What's he want, church? First place. He wants it all. He wants it all. When we were uh, going to Orlando um, a few years back, we went to Disney. Anyone here been to Disney? Uh, They have this tram on a a big rail that goes around the park. And if you're going to get on the tram and get to to the destination of where you want to go, can you put one foot on and one foot on the platform? Is that going to work? What do you need to do? All the way on or all the way off? This is how it works with God's leading in your life. You can't have one foot on, uh, I still got a plan here. You know, I can take care of it. And God, if you're, if you're listening, that doesn't work. You have to give it all to God. He wants all of your heart. He wants all of your worries. You cannot go through the Christian life in this world with one foot left in the world and the world schemes and your ability and one foot depending on God. You've got to have the kind of faith to get on the tram. You've got to have the kind of faith to step on the escalator, get on the elevator. 100%. You're all in. Trust in the Lord with, what's it say? All your heart. I want you to look at this next word. And lean not. Lean not. So you have a positive command to trust, and then you have a negative command to lean not. Uh, this has this idea of leaning. It's literally the... The, uh, the verb in Hebrew for uh, resting for support, like this, right? for uh, physical assistance. I'm relying on uh, the podium right now. I'm relying on something to, to keep me up. And this is kind of a figure of speech to identify anything in your life. Specifically, here he calls it your own understanding, but you can extend that to any scheme that you have, any resource that you have that would cause you to want to lean on it and not on God. Do you know what the Bible calls that in the Old Testament? It's a word worth writing down. Here it is. It's called idolatry. It's called idolatry. Because you have placed something else before God. The writer says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You have to trust God for protection. You have to trust God for support. You have to trust God for provision. Not your inheritance, not your ability, not your wits, not your friends, not your resources. He says, lean not. This idea of understanding is, uh, you know, everything that you would have, your components of your mind. Uh, the Hebrew here talks about your ability to discern uh, your, your faculties, your, your scheming contriving, oh, if we just do it this way, or have you tried this, or maybe this will work. Sometimes I think God just sits back and laughs. Anyone else think that that when we say, God, this is what's going to, let me tell you, Lord, this is how it's going to go. I think he kind of just has a little chuckle. You and I are to yield all of those temptations to God. And they are temptations. It is sinful for us as Christians to want to rely on ourselves, trust in ourselves. It was the command given to the kings of Israel. Uh, if you can recall Solomon and David, they were commanded not to count their chariots. Right? Why, why would the king find problem with God by counting their gold and their wives and their chariots? 
Because they would begin to put all of their hope where? Over here. In what they've got. In what we could do. We need to get a bigger army. We need to get more and more and more. Do you remember the story of, uh, of Gideon in the book of Judges? Uh, I'll give you just a the brief synopsis of it. But uh, Gideon is to go to battle. And he's got a horde of warriors with him. This grand warrior. And God said there's too many. And he whittles it down to a measly 300. Just a, a small band. And all they did was they, they were to go at night before the camp. They were to take these torches and hide them into pots. And at the right moment, they were to crack the pots and yell at their all their might. It doesn't sound like very good. Uh, uh, I mean, where's your AK-57s, right? Where's your Tomahawk missiles? Where's your, I mean, torches and jars and yelling? That, that was God's plan. You and I would be tempted maybe to laugh at God's plan when I think God laughs at our plan. And it is idolatry for us to think that we can support and supply and provide for ourselves when God has a way of making a way that's as ludicrous as torches and pots. And, and they won the battle and all, all the enemy soldiers, they turned on themselves and they ran and they fled and Gideon, he chased them all down and he was victorious. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, church. And lean not on your own understanding. All right, there's a next verse. Verse 4, look at this. In all your ways. Uh, literally here in the Hebrew, it's all of your paths. Uh, again, it's a figure of speech with this idea that you could be walking down the road and there, there's a fork in the road. You guys know your majors? You know what you're going to be? It ain't what you're going to be. I thought I knew what I was going to be in college, and I changed four times before I finally figured out what it was. And uh, a lot of my other friends, too, they, uh, they still today have a degree hanging on the wall that has nothing to do with the career that they actually ended up in. There's a lot of paths, right? There, there's a lot of roads that you can walk down. Verse 6 here, right? In all your ways. So this, this path... Or, or this path, or this route, or maybe that way. All of them. God wants you to, on all of the paths, acknowledge Him. Acknowledge is an interesting word here, too. A submit is maybe a better word. But it really harkens back to the call of the entire book of Proverbs. Do you remember as we even looked at in, in chapter 8 and then in chapter 1? Uh, that the, the beginning of uh, wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Do you remember that? Fear of the Lord. And I defined it for you in two ways. It's a God consciousness. It's, right. it's an awareness. It's going through every moment in my life recognizing that God is with me. And it's a God dependence. It's both of these things. It's a God consciousness and it's a God dependence. Uh, so to acknowledge God means to perceive Him, to see Him, to realize Him, to be aware of Him. It's the same concept of the fear of the Lord. God consciousness is kind of like uh, the, the teacher during the SATs. Do you guys take your SATs? How'd you do? Do you remember that teacher that's walking around the whole time? Did you guys cheat? <laughs> they said no. <laughs> so even if you were tempted to, and I know you weren't, 
But even if you were tempted to, there, there was one there that was holding you accountable, right? There, there was a teacher there that was watching, that was always looking, that was keeping an eye on things. You had teacher consciousness, right? This is how we need to live as Christians, with God consciousness. God's always watching, church. He's not watching in a, in a vindictive manner. I don't want you to think of him in that sense. But he's looking for you and I to follow after his leading, as his children rightly should. And where you and I step out of line, you know what the Bible says? That God disciplines those he what? Those he loves. And he'll bring you back to the center of the road. That you wouldn't turn to the left or turn to the right. But you'd walk in the will of God. Because you have a God consciousness. That's what it means here to acknowledge in all your ways. Verse 6. Do you see it? In all your ways, acknowledge him. The second idea of acknowledgement is dependence. God dependence. Um, We're having a camp season coming up soon and uh, I, I drove out to Lake Ellen. They have a big climbing wall. Presbyterian Point have one of those? Big climbing walls? Brianna would know. No, they don't. But my college had one. I was too scared to ever go on it, but they had a big climbing wall. And if you, uh, if you ever go on a climbing wall, they'll have an instructor there and they have a long rope that ties up to the top and it clips right onto your harness so that as you go up, they got you what? They got you secured in there so you can't fall. Church, God's got you secured in there so you can't fall. Pastor Dave, if you heard him say, he said, I might trip and stumble, but God won't let you fall. He won't let you fall, church. He's got you in his mighty, capable hands. And there is nothing in this world that can separate you from his love. There is no way for you to be lost out of the hand of the good shepherd. Not only is it God consciousness that means we acknowledge him in all of our ways, but it's a God dependence in all our ways. Don't ever say to God, hey, I got this. Don't ever say that. He wants you to call to him. He wants you to acknowledge him. And whatever you're facing, especially if it's uncharted territory, verse 6 is what you and I need to hold on to. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And what's the promise here? He will make your paths straight. He'll make them straight. The, the Hebrew here means smooth. It means free of obstacles. The only thing I can think of when I imagine this Hebrew word here is um, the train tracks that run. If you, if you watch, and as you're driving, uh, driving home today, uh, take a look at the train tracks. Because you know what train tracks don't do? They don't do this. They don't go up or down. They'll get a slight turn every now and then, but you'll never see them going up and down like the hills. The road and the terrain, you'll see the terrain going up and down, but what do the tracks do? They cut right through it. That's the promise given to you. That the trajectory of your future, that which God wants to achieve in your life for the building of his kingdom here on earth, he will work out in you as you and I do what? Trust in him, lean not on our understanding, and acknowledge him in all of our ways. You will be like those heavy metal rail tracks that are straight, that are free of obstacles, and that are smooth. All right, that's our, that's our study through the text. I want to give you, uh, even in review right now, because I, I hope you caught it. We, didn't, we just looked at two verses, right? But number one is this. Trust him with all your heart. Trust him with all your heart. Anybody here have a, a, a plan B? If it doesn't work out, if your plans don't work out, anyone with a plan B? Throw out the plan B. 
Because you know what that is? That's you putting one foot on God and another foot over here on what might happen. God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to trust him with all your heart. Do you remember the story that Bonnie read from us, our New Testament reading? Who was the guy that got out of the boat? Do you remember? Peter. Peter. You remember Peter? Who thinks that was easy for Peter? Anybody? He says, Lord, if it's you, ask me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. Now, Peter's got a decision at this point. Like, I'm thinking the boat is a lot safer option. Walking on water is unknown. I've never done it before. I have no idea how to do it. But Jesus said, what? He said, come. And so what you see Peter doing is he doesn't take one foot out and just kind of, yeah, okay, you, you know, like on the ice. Any, any fishermen do this sometimes? You know, like, okay, right? He doesn't do that. And keep one foot in the boat. Peter gets out of the boat. He gets out completely and he starts walking to Jesus. It's like riding on that tram that goes around. You've got to be all on. You've got to be all on. Number two is this. Don't rely on your own schemes or your own perception. Don't rely on your own ability. In order for Peter to face the unknown, he had to rely on Jesus. Do you remember what the text said? And We read it quickly. You can go back and study it again. But it says that as he was looking at Jesus, he was walking. But as soon as he diverted his eyes to look at the wind and the waves. Well, first of all, you can't look at wind. I, right? You can't look at wind. But what can you, you can see the storm. And you can see the fear. And you can start thinking in your mind, oh, I can see how this isn't going to work. And, and, and I can't, I'm not a good swimmer. And I didn't get my life insurance up to date. And I, didn't, I mean, you can start thinking through everything. Don't rely on your schemes. And don't rely on your own perception either. Imagine Gideon facing this army with 300 guys. How would you do? What would your perception be? We're all dead. That's what I would think. This is it. God said to do it, so I guess we'll do it. But this ain't never going to work. That's just because you're looking with human eyes. You're not looking with spiritual eyes. You're looking from your own ability to work out the details. You're not looking at it with God's perspective. So don't rely on your schemes. Don't rely on your perspective. Instead, trust God completely. Number three is this, yield to him in all. And what does that mean? That means, means being ever mindful of God. You and I, we need to yield all of our plans to him. The Bible says that in his heart, a man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. My life verse comes from Psalm 8611. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I would walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I would fear your name. You and I, church, we can't live with one foot here and one foot there. We can't make our judgments upon what God would call us to based upon our own perception. We have to turn it all over to him. And so I wanted to offer you a way to do this. Uh, two steps. It's pretty simple. This is what you need to do this week. And I don't know exactly what it is you might be facing. But if you are, step number one is this. Ask him to walk with you. 
wherever that is, whatever you're facing. If it's sin and temptation in your, world, in your life, ask God to walk with you and help you. If it's uh, your health, medical, you got, a, you got a whole shelf of pills. Anybody here with a shelf of pills they got to take? Whatever it is that you might have, ask him to walk with you through the unknown. Maybe it's your circumstances and you just, I can't deal with this family member or this situation or this neighbor or this coworker or this boss, whatever that is, ask him to walk with you. And then secondly, trust him and move forward. That's what it means to trust him. Peter got out of the boat. Gideon walked with the torches. I know our graduates are going to face a future that they're perhaps not completely prepared for, but I want you to obey God's word. Hey, guys, I want you to obey God's word. Ask him. He's listening, all right? Ask him to help you. And then trust him and follow where he's calling you to go, even if it makes no sense to you, even if it doesn't seem to add up. Haven't we seen at church how God provides beyond what we think we could do? Remember Kayla Carey? She felt God was calling her to go and serve abroad and she needed a pretty big amount of money to do it in like seven days. Hey, did God do it? Come on. Did God do it? Yes. Yes, he did. She asked him. She trusted him. She moved forward. Same thing happened in Gideon's life. We could spend the rest of our time here, our entire day, giving testimony as to how God does this in our lives. But you can't ask him... And pretend like you're trusting him and not move. You got to get out of the boat. You got to put one foot in front of the next. And you got to trust him that he will make your path straight. It's his promise. So some of us here today, we need to let go and let God, right? Because that's what these steps mean. It's as simple as that. Some of us here today, we need to let go and let God. I'm going to say it again. Let the Holy Spirit work on these words. Some of us here today need to let it go and let God handle it. Will you guys pray with me?